Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. If you haven't already heard the big news, here it is. On April 1st, we will be officially changing the name of this podcast to the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. If you're subscribed, you don't need to do anything on your end except be on the lookout for some new album art and our new name. If you aren't subscribed, Now would be a great time to do that so that you don't need to remember to find us under our new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. Once we roll out the Pure Life Ministries Podcast, I'll be explaining why we made this change and announce some other changes coming that I think you'll really find to be a blessing. All of that will happen when we release our first episode on April 1st under the new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. All right, that's it for now. Here's the episode. When Luzette met Robbins, she thought she met the model Christian man. He loved going to church, and he seemed to be a godly example to everyone around him. This was exactly what she wanted in a husband, and eventually, they got married. But over time, she began to realize that something was really wrong just under the surface. Things seemed off. I just didn't know what it was. And it all unraveled really with just one mistake. Um, I needed a phone and I took his phone because I was on a call and I called the person I was talking to and then randomly I realized he was talking to another girl and from that point everything just unraveled in terms of you know all of what he was dealing with and what was going on. Thankfully, when Robin's sin came out, he had a counselor who was willing to tell him the hard, raw truth about his life. And this confrontation brought Robin's to a place of desperation. Long story short, he just said, hey, Robin's, you know, you are just wicked. Just tell me the, the truth about myself. And I was like, okay. You know, in desperation, I was like, what do I do now? What do I do now? And he sent me just a link. All he did was send me a link to Pure Life. He's like... I've heard some men have found some help with this. This is Nate with Purity for Life, and in this episode, we're going to dive into the powerful story of Robbins and Luzette Rodney and how they went from utter hopelessness to a place where the Lord made all things new. Here we go. Hey, so before we get started, I just wanted to make you all aware that we actually had three guests on this episode, Robbins, his wife, Luzette, and their month-old baby, Kanan. So we apologize ahead of time for cute baby noises that sneaked their way into this podcast. All right. Well, actually, we're not sorry. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so um, yeah, I think... When when did you go through the program, Rodney? Or uh, Rodney. Robbins. Rod, Robbins. When did yeah. you go through the program, Robbins? Let's see if this is 2023, 2020 20. to 2021. Okay. Uh, and yeah. same for you, Lizette? No, I started in 2021. Uh, I think it was like February, March 2021. Yeah. I okay. Started, I started in November and graduated in August. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let's, I mean, maybe we could just talk a little bit about the growing up years for both of you guys. Where did you come from and what was your childhood like? Sure. Uh, grew up in New York City, Brooklyn, New York. Mom is an immigrant. Uh, came, oh, from where? Haiti. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Came in uh, kind of as exiles. 
And so came in uh, in harsh times and so grew up kind of struggling financially and stuff like that, mm-hmm. moving a lot. So moved a lot from like Brooklyn to Queens. Uh, my mom, you know, worked full time, went to school as well. And so... Were you on your own a lot? Uh, like babysitters and like family okay. friends and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and sometimes I would tag along with her to school and, and, and things. What else? What else? You never knew your dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so my dad was always peripherally around. Oh, okay. uh, they weren't married, but he was he was around. Like He lived in Queens, so I would see him from time to time, but not actively there. Yeah. He was, doing his, he was kind of just doing his own thing. School is a big part of my life. That's probably the biggest focus of my life growing up. Why is that? It's sort of the culture of my family, and it's kind of a Haitian culture as well. Haitian just culture, yeah. the, the first priority is your education, and hmm. nothing else matters. And so hmm. make sure you do good in school, you know, period. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing else to it. So that's uh, that's sort of the overarching theme. Grew up in, uh, it's just school and church is basically your life. And so went to local, pretty much grew up in a, one of two churches, both Haitian churches, one in Brooklyn, one in Queens. Okay. And uh, that's where I spend my free time. So uh, you, got the, you got the school thing, you got the church thing. I also, you wrote on the, on the interview questionnaire, you sent me that you were introduced to sexual sin at five. Yeah. So I remember that. I have that memory of being at a family friend. Like, I guess, I don't know. I guess my mom was at work or school or something like that. But um, it was the house of my godmother and all her extended family. And I just remember going into the room of one of the other kids. Uh, He was older, like maybe 18 or 20 or something like that. I remember walking in and he was watching pornography on a television. I remember looking at it. I remember feeling strange. And I know he uh, he's, he looked at me as I kind of just looked at me with a strange look. And then he felt me down there to see. He's like, hey, do you like this? Mm. I, that's all. I, and that's pretty much all I remember from it. That's all that came of it. But and then but I remember liking it and I remembering it being wrong. Which, okay. is str- which is a strange feeling for a five-year-old, but I do remember that. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You knew it was wrong. Yeah. And I, it's crazy because I know I didn't understand what I was looking at. I knew I liked it, and I knew it was wrong, all internally. Mm-hmm. What, did that, um, I don't know, did that like create this thing in you where you wanted more, or did it just kind of die from there? And it then... died from there. Okay. Yeah, it died from there. And the second time I was introduced to pornography is actually in elementary school. I was hanging out with a friend, friend. at a friend's house, mm-hmm. just a regular dude's house. And I don't know what we're doing. We're playing video games or whatever. And then his older brother comes and he gets on the computer and everything. And he starts like looking up pictures. And with I, you guys in the room. Mm-hmm. No, big oh, he deal. brings us over. Like, oh, hey, he brought you over. Wow. Yeah, come take a look at this. Wow. I remember that instance. I was like, ooh, I can't. No, I'm, I don't want to do this. I'm... I remember thinking, I was like, no, no thanks. And then- Because of your mom? You knew like she wouldn't approve? Or? No, no. I didn't have thoughts. No. I just knew I was like, no, this isn't right. Because at that point, I was already like, you know, growing up in the church a little bit. You know, I just knew it was wrong. Okay. And um, it just, I guess that at that moment, it didn't get me. But that was the second time for sure I remember. And I actually don't remember the third time or anything like that. Okay. But um, Yeah. 
You're you're also from Haiti. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I grew up there. I moved here when I was uh, 15. So. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So we, I came uh, kind of like a refugee. Um, there was like a coup d'état back in Haiti, and our family's life are kind of in danger. So it so happened that around the same time, my uncle here was working on papers for us, and it went through. Everything went through. So it just felt right and fell at the right time and so we just like packed up everything and moved and so when we got here my mom my my parents are married so um we lived with um uncles and uh cousins for a while until my parents were able to save a little bit and get a a place of their own but in haiti i grew up catholic um which when uh, i think years back me and robbins were talking about catholicism and uh, trying to understand like how Catholicism looks here versus how it looks in Haiti, and so hmm. there's like some similarities for sure in terms of like idolatry and Mary and all that. Hmm. But there's also an emphasis of like relationship with Jesus and believing in Jesus and talking to Him in Haiti. Uh, in Haiti, okay. Um, so in that He's the center of it all. Hmm. Um, so there's like there's this weird nuance that. I didn't realize was there until I moved to New York City and we started going to Catholic churches in New York and it just was totally different. You're like, where's Jesus? It was, yeah, it was just like, it was totally, totally different. And mm. even my mom was like, I can't go to this church. This is so weird. So oh. that's when we switched and we went to Baptist church. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which was the church he was at. That's right. Yeah, and that's how we met. <laughs> oh, you met young. Yeah, we met at... 18? Yeah, 18-ish. Oh, 18. 18. Yeah, 18. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you didn't 15, come to yeah. your 15, right? Yeah, yeah. So, wow, um, that's really interesting. That Just because she, your mom was like, there's yeah. no Jesus here, yeah. so yeah. we'll and go to a Baptist she, church. Yeah, she's like, let's try to do a Baptist church. So we went to the Baptist church, and we loved it because it was Christ-centered and all you know, all of that. And so that's we amazing. stayed. We stayed for like from I think we started going there when I was like 16 17 okay we stayed the whole time until um I was old enough to go to another church so yeah that's my story yeah but my parents are married um they've been married for 32 years now Mm. um so Mm. I grew up with my parents a household of like just them modeling what it's like to be married and to have a life Mm. together and like Robbins, the emphasis a lot was on like education and okay. just like study and work hard and all of that. My dad wasn't really growing up. My dad wasn't a believer. Um, now he is, but he wasn't. So I grew up with mostly my mom taking us to church okay. versus my dad. Um, yeah, so that's my background. Did you like? Did you guys? How would you describe your own relationship with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Like, was it real? Was mm-hmm. it was it just kind of like were you just culturally Christian, Robbins, or or both of you? Yeah, I can go. So I I think I remember the the day when I remember my relationship with Christ shifted and like me knowing Him as Christ and like like knowing that he is in me. So hmm. I remember I was in church. It was the Baptist church we went to. And I'm looking around. It was like a revival and they were doing um, worship night. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing people worshiping and this true worship from their heart. And they were like crying and just like 
pouring out their heart mm. to God, and I'm sitting there like, God, I was 20, probably 21, 22 at the time. I'm like, God, I don't understand why these people are like this. Like, why are they so just passionate about you? I don't feel any of that. I don't sense it in my heart. Like, what is that about? Um, and I said, I want to feel that. I want, I want to feel you. I want to know what it's like to, like, just know that you're here in my heart. And so I just remember doing that prayer and just praying about it. And then... Over time, it, it wasn't like a next day thing, but over time, I remember looking back and saying, oh, wow, God, like, you really showed me who you are. Like, I, I can tell that I know you now. Wow. I just could tell there was a difference from before to now, like to after I realized that. So that that's that's when I know that my relationship with Christ shifted. And I was like praying more and I was like eager to know him and be in my word where it wasn't like that before wow so i remember that vividly i sh- I share that moment with robins all the time of like when that happened okay yeah i was yeah but that was for me looking back it's it's kind of hard just looking where i am now and i would say yes just because you know i guess it was very childlike and very immature i, I prayed i read my bible yeah I had some Christian values. I thought I knew the Lord. And um, obviously things changed over time, but it's hard to say. Maybe I was just very culturally Christian and and followed the rules and things like that. But it's hard to tell looking back, to be honest. Right. Uh, especially coming out of pure life and like just seeing how real it is and looking back, it's like it was never, ever that real. Yeah. And so I, I hesitate to... To say, yeah, I knew the Lord because I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I can definitely relate. Like I had I, – I know one particular experience, very real experience with the Lord where like he became so real to me. I knew he – I knew his love. I, yeah, I don't know. It was really pretty powerful to me. Like, wow, I came to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then when sexual sin introduced itself, I just – like went with it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? For yeah. And then for 10 years, I'm living in the darkness mm-hmm. and there's hypocrisy and hiding and yeah. just pursuing. So it's like, man, what really did happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of similar for you. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and even just, just thinking back, it was such a slow creep on the intensity of sin, just a slow choking out of that Christian identity anyways, that by the time it has gotten to its peak, I could I could barely even think about the things of God in a real way. And, mm. and I had to completely change as a person as well. Um, it just, so I would say no. I, I, honestly, I, I remember, I can remember the time where I know without a shadow of a doubt that I actually met the Lord. And so I hold on to that, to that, uh, that moment, that day that I was saved. Hmm. And started this journey of walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where did it? Can you describe a little bit what, like, at the peak of the sexual sin? Like, I mean, I'm not gory details, but just what was it like? What was going on in your heart? What was going on? Yeah, internally. I would say I would say there are two peaks. Uh, first, the peak was in college, just on my own, do my own thing. It was nothing to me, really. 
I didn't have any guilt or anything. It was wow. It was all by myself, you know. Nobody had my own room and nobody to tell me anything about myself. And so I was just living my own life, doing my own thing, and not having a care in the world. Honestly, you were still going to church occasionally. Yep. Oh, okay. Very, very, very occasionally. Okay, when so I would, you had really drifted. Oh yeah, away. I was gone. You know. Okay. And it was such a. I mean, it ha- I mean, obviously, it's the Lord like chasing you, but even there are moments where like, man, I need to. In, in very immature thinking and immature ways. Yeah, I need to go back to, to church. I need to go back home and join the choir again because that, that's where I belong. And so I would go back like every week and I'd join the choir and, you know, do the thing and be around the Christian environment because it's, it's like kind of knew that's where I belonged and I need to right. do better, but no actual behavior change. You know, no, I was still perfectly good in my sin and everything. Perfectly good to lie and everything like that. So... No real change, but looking back, obviously, it, it's clear that God was calling me. Uh, I just wasn't answering. Okay. And this was it, before you were married. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then the second peak, I would say, in sort of the intensity of the sin was actually during during being married, just because now I can't, I can't do it as much as I want to. I can't do it as freely as I want to. I just feel this burning inside of me, and it's just like I want it more and more, and it's just... And so I would say that's a sort of a different peak of of desire and I guess lust. Um, what was your marriage like at that time? A lie. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we I I think we were living this blissful lie of uh, everything seemed good on the outside. Um, I had no idea uh, up to a certain point. Like I think. After two and a half years, that's when I found out about the porn, right? Was it sooner two than years? That. No, sooner than that. It was like... Maybe a year in. I think I was a year in. Yeah. And then we had we had mentors there. And then so we brought up with them and he gave me some some tips and ideas. And I, I, I wasn't fully there in terms of repentance. So I just remember putting like some some barriers on like the internet and stuff. I was like, you know, there's a part, there was a part of me like, yeah, I would love to be able to stop. But I didn't actually believe I could. Oh no! I, I I like, man. Maybe maybe for a day or two, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna try." And then it didn't. You know, it's it's just I I wanted to stop at that point, but I didn't actually believe I could. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I did find out about the uh, porn. Um, I would say, "Okay, like you can stop. Like, why don't you stop?" And his response was always like. Oh, I've tried. I've tried for so long and it just never happened. I guess that's just how it is. And I remember saying like, why you sound like you have no power? Like you have power to stop and through Christ, like why, why does it sound like that? But it always sounded like he was powerless against it and yeah. he didn't, he didn't know the power he had. And actually I remember feeling angry at God. Yeah. Like I've what, prayed. Yeah. I've, I've prayed. done this stuff. Like, Hey, you don't want me to do this. I don't want to do this. Make me not do this, you know? And it's like, well, if if you're not answering. And at my worst, I was like, man, are you real? Like, what is going on? Like, mm. nothing is happening. It's not working for me. Like, what? And just being angry and lying to myself and in denial. Um, just, yeah, in a bad place, obviously. Yeah, okay. So this whole thing with you being in pornography and starting to get angry at God and... Um, like you failed me kind of thing. I mean, that's just revealing what had been sort of going on in your life the whole time that you didn't really, 
you weren't really walking with God. For sure. But um, Lizette, you didn't, like, you didn't know that when you married him. No. He came off as a, like, pretty good Christian guy. Yeah, he did. Um, and that that was the, one of the things that, you know, I always wanted in a guy, and he gave it to me in terms of, like, encouraged me to read the Bible and go to church and go to prayer meeting and so on, and um, even encouraged me to join ministry. We were in ministry together. So, like, he was in video, and I was in photography. And so on the outside, it all looked really, really good. Mm. Um, but I didn't know what was actually going on in the inside mm. until later. Yeah, when when did you actually find out? Like, for you had mentioned in, in the questionnaire that you caught him one night, mm-hmm. and that sort of gave you, like, a feeling something's wrong, mm-hmm. but you didn't know the depth. Like, when did you mm-hmm. finally start knowing the depth of it? Oh, that wasn't until... When everything unraveled, um, what that was in during the pandemic, I remember we both were home more because of like isolate. We were on uh, isolation, and just things seemed off, and I didn't know why. So I remember I went on this. Me and uh, a friend of mine went on this forty days fast because. One of the reasons why I started the fast was because I thought something feels off, but I don't know what it is. And we, it felt like we were drifting farther apart. I just didn't know what it was. So started the 40-day fast. Part Well, the point of the fast was to understand, okay, God, what's going on between us? Like, I show me so that I know what's going on. So towards the end of the fast it was just when everything just unraveled and it all unraveled really with just one mistake I uh, say quote unquote mistake on his part was because um I needed a phone and I I didn't have my phone it wasn't working so I, I took his phone because I was on a call and I called the person I was talking to and then randomly I realized he was talking to another person another girl Mm. and from that point everything just unraveled in terms of you know the girl was just the surface of what was going on and later on after much um just searching and like asking and probing found out the depth of you know all of what he was dealing with and what was going on um, which answered a lot of questions because when I first found out about you know, pornography and not understanding the depth of it, his response always had an undertone of despair and hopelessness in Mm. it. But when I found out the depth of what was going on with him, I understood why there was such a tone of despair and hopelessness and the lie that Mm. was in there. Um, Because you were in so deep. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, From both... The frequency and the content. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like you never imagined you would get to that place. No, <laughs> never, never. Um, after that, I remember it was bad for like a good 24 hours, really, really bad. In fact, during that 24 hours, not even 24 hours, that 12 hours, she kind of just walked out. She walked out the house. And it was the first, it was so, man, this is scared to think about. I just remember thinking like, all right, I'm free. I could, I could jump off the cliff and go as deep as I want now. I can, 
Because at that point, I was just constantly thinking about to act out now, just to just to act it out, like to actually have an affair. Um, not necessarily. Uh, I don't want to go on the yeah the, the sure. content, but sure, like sure, to sure. act out the specifics of gotcha. the pornography. Gotcha. I just remember when she walked. I was like, all right, I could do my own thing now. And so after that, um, she called one of our, our sort of our mentors that we had. And then um, we spoke to them for a little bit. Um, but then I think uh, I had, she made me call the pastor, the marriage pastor out of the Brooklyn Tab. And I would say that's where everything first started. And I was talking to him, I was talking to him. And basically, you know, long story short, he just said, hey, Robbins, you know, you are just wicked. You are just tell me the, the truth about myself. And that was like, that kind of startled me. And I was like, okay. What do you want me to do? What do I even do? Fine. But what do I even do from now? And then so he, he It didn't s- make you mad. No, it didn't make me mad. It was true. I was just it was more desperation. Yeah. More desperation at that I remember at that moment. Because I felt like I was losing her as well. He also called me out too, because I think I, I, I had this rosy glass on of like I didn't really want to see what was going on or I remember he said if you want to truly find out what's going on, you will find out. And at that moment, it kind of clicked to me. I wasn't asking the right questions because maybe I didn't want to know the answer to those questions. Um, and that's when I, I realized, I said, wow, I'm in some way enabling this whole thing. Um, and that's my part in it. And so when he called me out on, on that, it was just very helpful because it just pushed me to just kind of like take off the rosy glasses and think, okay, I need to be just straightforward and ask the questions that need to be asked and see, see how we can move forward. Mm. That's right. And then, so after that, you know, the, the, you know, I asked him, you know, in desperation, I was like, what do I do now? What do I do now? And he sent me a, just a link. All he did was send me a link to Pure Life. He's like, I've heard some men have found some help with this. And I was like, okay, sure. And I think it was that night or maybe the next night where we sort of just sat in the room and I told her everything, everything that I was struggling with, all the nitty gritty, pretty much everything. Really? Yeah. 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 So that like from every little detail, how long it was going along, how bad it was, all the content, just everything. Um, looking back on that, Luzette, do you do you wish you wouldn't have heard all of the detail? Or was it good for you because you were kind of wanting to protect yourself from like... It was good for me. I needed that uh, just kind of... I needed to be in reality uh-huh. of what's going on. And I think also deeper than that, I also... It's not just hearing what was going on with him, but also like, you know, God gave me grace to understand the background of what was going on with him, like the spiritual side of all of it. Because I remember the night he first started, um, he first like shared everything. I remember like that same night he woke up screaming off the top of his lung because he felt he you know, he's like, there's a shadow just like pressing me and I can't speak. Mm. And, um, like, you know, I remember when we were sitting on the floor in our room, he was talking and I I was closing my eyes and I was just like, I was praying in my heart and it just felt really heavy. 
um, spiritually. So I, I think I needed to hear all that was going on because God just kind of used that to show me the spiritual realm of the fight that was going on mm. um, so that I can pray better or fight better, I should say. Did it take did it take you a while to get there? Like, right, because you're not disconnected from this. Oh, okay, I get mm-hmm. it. Like you're in a battle and now I can really pray for you. Mm-hmm. It also hurts like Oh yeah. Horrible. It was I felt like I was I was in this uh world where two things were happening at the same time where my feelings were really real, very, very real, and I was upset and hurt and I was ready to just like kind of leave. But then I also have this like view of what's going on in the back end spiritually. So it's it was like always this fight in my heart and also in my mind, like, okay, between God, I know what you're showing me. I know what you can do. But then this is what I'm feeling and this is what's going on in my heart and this is what I'm seeing. How do you reconcile the two? Uh-huh. Um, and that, that took through all through pure life to just kind of continually walking in that, okay, God, like today I woke up, I feel like I cannot trust this guy. I don't trust, I don't know any word that comes out of his mouth. I don't know if it's true. I can't trust it. But I also know that spiritually there's this thing going on, a fight for his soul. Then Hmm. how, like help me. Like a lot of times my prayer was just help me because I, it's just hard. <laughs> yeah. But I also had a lot of support from mentors who like if when I was going through that deep end of like, I don't know if I want to stay. I don't know if this is worth it. They would remind me of our testimony of like how we got together and like um, what God had done so far and mm. just say, remember God, remember God. And those people were just key mm. and essential. God used them a lot during that time. You know, it's interesting. I, this this thought just came to mind. I don't know if it's like legit or not, but I'm just thinking about like the suburban church at some level, you know, rich, white suburbia or whatever, like at some level, you're just kind of insulated from a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. And so pastors maybe aren't as likely to just say, listen, remember like this was a good thing whereas Mm -hmm. inner city there's just so much suffering Mm -hmm. so suffering is just life Mm -hmm. in the inner city at some level so it's you're more i don't know is is that the case is a pastor more likely to say come on the lord's able to like do something in this i think we are very lucky Huh, lucky, we were blessed Mm -hmm. because god took us exactly where we needed to be Mm -hmm. um one our mentors had dealt with similar issues, not exact, similar issues of sexual sin in their past. Mm. And so I could relate, he could relate to me very well and I could trust him in what he was saying. And just the the marriage pastor, he just, he, he's just a good God-fearing pastor. So he had no problem telling me the truth when I needed to hear it at the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a very... Uh, militant. Militant, straightforward guy yeah. who, you know, sometimes can come up very... Uh, Rough edge, <laughs> but <laughs> it was really like what we needed. I, that's what I needed. The, like I didn't need it to be told, "Hey, it'll be okay. You'll get yeah. better." No, just like I just needed to be told, like you're wicked, you're you're evil, you are a bad person. 
Yeah. You're a sinner. You know, the truth. Yeah. Because that's the first time in my life that I was, I was just rattled, you know, and it continued to happen throughout the program. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that experience with your pastor really prepared you to be willing to want help, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of cut through the lethargy, the apathy, the victim, self-pity, all yep. that. Mm-hmm. And then you said that you, before you even got to the program, you were watching a lot of Pure Life stuff, reading Pure Life stuff. Yeah. So he sent me a link to Pure Life. It's funny. He didn't, he never told me to go to Pure Life for the nine point program. He just, oh, okay. He just sent me a link and that was it. Okay. And so I clicked on it and... I was going around, and then the first real major thing I I uh, got into was the Twenty Truth series, which I just remember watching that from the couch from my mom's house, and for the first time knowing like, okay, I'm going to like the truth is I'm going to hell, um, wow. like oh I'm not saved, and so that was the first moment where I sort of just crying out for repentance throughout that wow. the next three weeks or so. Wow, started listening to the sermons. Just everything, uh, reading my Bible, just like listening to the podcast, just <laughs> being just consumed, you know, with trying to get help, trying to find freedom. And actually, that was like that started. The, I mean, it it just changed. I just started to change. Like, I didn't watch pornography for. It may sound crazy, but what what thirty five days or something like that, or fifty something. I can't remember what fifty something yes. days, which was. Incredible. For yeah, me. for you, you'd That's never like, done that. Whoa, yeah. unbelievable! Uh, I did fall once and confess to her, which was also something that never happened. Never happened. Um, yeah. And so, things, yeah, things absolutely started to change then. But you decided you wanted to come anyway to the residential program. Well, what was that? Well, um, maybe you had a little encouragement. <laughs> um, so, so we were both in a place where it was like, well, should we still go? You know, me just thinking from a clear head like well i'm getting a lot of progress i read the book i'm reading all the books that the curriculum says to read and stuff but then god god made it very clear abundantly clear Mm -hmm. like i remember the the first sign was just us we were watching like the sunday sermons together and it was just about surrender and just surrender surrender it's from glenn meldrum Hmm. surrender surrender oh okay and then we had watched like another sermon from uh from Brooklyn Tab, and it was about this guy that came from Teen Challenge about going to a program. And I was like, "Oh wow, look at that! Wow, maybe, maybe God is telling us something." And then, and then we were listening to another sermon where, long story short, we're you know about the story of Abraham and God telling him to leave his home and to wow. leave his family. Mm-hmm. And then the pastor was like, "I don't care where you got to go. If God's telling you to go somewhere, you got to go. If you got to go to New York, go to New York. If you got to go to Kentucky, go to Kentucky." He said, "He said that. He said the word." Kentucky. We're like. What? We both stopped. Who ever we, mentions we Kentucky? Each- Never. Nobody ever mentions Kentucky. <laughs> we looked at it, each other. It was. Other it was just like, so wow. Yeah. Like it was surreal. It, it was very surreal. Yeah. Like, are you serious, God? Yeah. Like, and so it was very. I mean, the, all the that stuff was. Thing. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I the mean, last, the, that was the last. It was so ridiculous. It was just. It was ridiculous. I was walking. Mean, I'm just walking down the street. This is the day after we hear this Kentucky. You know, this Kentucky from the pastor. I'm walking down the street next to our house, and we see a truck. For like this water truck, Nestle. and it's like Nestle Pure Life. I was like, no way. We did not know that no ever. No way. Wow. And yeah, he came home and just, he was just like, babe, what's the slogan for Nestle? I'm like, what? I don't know. He's like, Pure Life. 
And we're like, I, I just, wow. I was just floored. And I, I think at that moment we're like, okay, yeah, can't fight it anymore. It's just there was just, it, it just seemed like confirmation yeah. after confirmation. And it made it very easy to come because wow. obviously it wasn't easy, but yeah, yeah. So you know, you, yeah. Let's just talk a little bit about what it was like for both of you in the program. I mean. There's so much always that's going on. Sure. Like it's never just oh it was all good or it's all hard. It's always there's a mixture yeah. of just mm-hmm. what was it like mm-hmm. for you? Some of it, a lot of it was surreal, but a lot of it just because of w- the way God prepped us. At least in the beginning, was very it was easier for me. It was like all right, I know I have to be here. Right. I, know, I know I belong here. I, I want to be here. Yeah. Um, a part of me felt like, well, you know, I made progress, but I'm going to be here anyways, God, for whatever you have for me. So, yeah. so it was that. And, you know, just part of the program is we always hammer. It's not just sexual sin. It's That's just the start. It's the whole life. And so that was, I was like, all right, I get the sexual sin part, but, like, I'm here to, like, learn of the Lord in, in every way for my whole life. So that made it easier. And there, there had plenty of things to work on in the program. It was always very difficult to be away from home. Very difficult for her to be alone and taking care of. It, it was just hard yeah. as a husband thinking that I should be there providing and taking care of. But yeah, but she did the best she could. She did really great. Did Were really you great. at all relieved to have space from him or? Yeah, partially. Um, I remember thinking, okay, he's in the program getting help. Half of me was just like, okay, I just need to process all these emotions that I have without him being there and I like during that season whenever like when all everything was unraveling he wouldn't leave me alone like it sounds bad but he would like constantly just be around it's like what are you thinking how are you feeling like and I trying to make it better yeah trying to make it better but not really making it better yeah and so him going was kind of like this time for me to one just process everything that's going on and two I remember even before he left um I was reading the book by Kathy Gallagher when his secrets didn't break your heart and the one thing that stood out to me out of the many things was uh he had become my idol and so when God revealed that to me I was like I was floored I was broken I was like how did how did this happened like when did this happen Mm -hmm. and so when he was leaving i was partially excited because i'm like okay god this is just time for me and you like Mm -hmm. for me to put you back where you're supposed to be without any distractions so that was the happy part this the sad part was you know being home alone and just like dealing with all the things at home and just not having him around and like just it was i i felt like the whole time i was edging these two worlds of feelings and emotions that sometimes one took over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's the just- flesh and the spirit. Yeah, exactly. Go. So it was just this constant battle that I, I just had to take it day by day. And I remember a good friend of mine saying, well, day by day, that's all you can do. And mm. every day I would wake up, I'm like, okay, God, Today is today, and that's all I can do, whatever comes with it. Mm. Um, And that's what helped me just remember, like, okay, each day, each day. So, So, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds like the battle was who am I going to be devoted to? Is that sort of like, 
I mean, on the the very natural side, mm-hmm. you've been horribly hurt, mm-hmm. and you can't trust this guy, yeah. and your world is sort of like falling apart, mm-hmm. and that's very natural. But then you've got this other thing going on, which is like, okay, but I could, I could fight for his soul. Mm-hmm. I could put my own feelings Feeling aside. aside. Yeah, which is of. not easy to do. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, very hard. But what I mean, how did you? Did you? I'm sure the Lord helped you. Like, mm-hmm. how did He help you to do that? Um, it was honestly through a series of like dreams that I had that showed me what the battle was. Really, in the spiritual. Hmm. Um, and I, I would have dreams of like I would have like two figures come to the house and ask me for robins. And I would be in front of him, and I, and they said, "I come for Robbins." And I said, "No, you can't have him." And I would say, "Get out in Jesus' name." And then it was just like when I say Jesus' name, it would just be this um, this screeching voice, just like as though the word Jesus caused them pain, and they would get out. And it would be a series of those mm-hmm. moments, and each time I would be reminded, "This is beyond you." beyond what you're feeling this is his soul and you know it's wow i had nights where i couldn't sleep because of how real those were and yeah. scary yeah, yeah those were yeah so it he just he just knew what i needed and yeah. how i needed to hear it and he just provided yeah so how did that change the way you prayed for him oh man my prayers were for his soul. My prayers were, God, do not let them take his soul, whatever that is, whatever fight that is going on for his soul. Don't let them take it. Um, oh. And, you know, I remember saying, God, save his soul for your name's sake. Save his soul for your name's sake. Um, and just remembering that he's the God who revealed. He's the God mm. who led him to pure life, he's going to be the God who rescues him from the hand of the enemy. Mm. So it just helped me pray in that way for him to just see Jesus and fight also, fight in prayer and be with the Lord in prayer and just like Mm. help him have a better relationship with God. Um, Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's pretty intense. uh, Yeah. Have you have you had the chance to talk to other wives maybe who are going through this same situation yet? No. Okay. No. I don't really share um the dreams with everybody because I don't know how it'll be taken. And oh, oh, he's reminding me of Zaquan, one of our one of our uh, friends um, that I did share with one wife. And okay. um, yeah, yeah, one person. But um, but those are, I hold on to those moments because it reminds me of just how God is faithful yeah, and how much he can do. Yeah. Um, and I just think about like, again, because God knows how powerful that battle was for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? The... Mm-hmm. Because the feelings are so real, they're so 
raw. They're so strong inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so to push against our feelings, even to do the right thing, I know this in my own life. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when I'm going through a battle, maybe it's unbelief or maybe it's self-pity or maybe it's just fear or whatever to fight through. It's not just like, wow, me and Jesus are having this lovely prayer time. It's so nice. It just it feels like you've got your sword in hand and you're just yeah. hacking your way yeah. through the jungle. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm getting somewhere, but I don't really feel like it. Mm-hmm. And so to have those times when the Lord is making it so real, mm-hmm. you're going the right way yeah. is very needed. Yeah, I needed that for sure that season because I don't know if I would have made it, if we would have made it, if I, I don't know. I, It's what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so for you, Robin's like, you're in this battle for your soul, you know? How how did you, I don't know, what was going on for you? I would say a lot of what I needed I got from my counselor in terms of confrontation. It was pretty hard counseling sessions of, about who I was and God would constantly (laughs) set up situations for me of testing so many facets of the person of who I was, of relying on myself, of being in control of my own life, of being in control of my own thinking, thinking I know what's best, um, trusting in myself rather than him. Um, Mm. All the while just slowly walking with the Lord and getting to know Jesus specifically, um, personally, mm-hmm. you know, I would, like an, a situation would arise and, and I would react one way and I would tell my counselors like, that was wrong. And this is why you're wrong. It's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, th- I think you're wrong. And, mm-hmm. and just like going battling through and things happening over and over again. It's like, you did it again. You're relying on your own thinking. You're, you're your own God. And just so many facets of of who I was just being stripped down and taken away and just like things I didn't like, but the more and more and happened, the longer I was there, I just, all that stuff was just falling away. And I was just, everything, everything just came down to just knowing Jesus in so many different ways. And so I think that was, I mean, that's what my counselor kept pushing me to consider and even so many different moments of, confusion or decision-making or suffering, like, okay, think of Jesus. What did he do? What was he like? What is he like right now? What does he want you to do? What's your relationship with him and how is he leading you? And just, so that was my walk throughout the program. And So the Lord was really uncovering like a lot of stuff that you never would have seen. Yeah. For you, it was like, hey, I'm getting better. Yeah. And I'm not struggling with sexual sin so much. So... I'm good. But then you're getting shown all these things that mm-hmm. had never been dealt with. Never. You know, and, and just like growing in, I mean, growing in a church, you don't necessarily, it's not always viewed as a bad thing. Like, yeah, Robbins is, uh, yeah, he's a strong-willed guy. You know what he wants? And he's an industrious and ambitious. And those aren't seen as wrong, but those are all different aspects of my pride that I hold up of myself and, and just the way I think of myself, the way I, I – these weren't bad things to me. <laughs> right, right. But we would constantly be reminded that, like, that sin was sin and and these things are no worse or no less than the sexual sin and and just actually growing, uh, a developing 
being given repentance of that, like, oh, wow, and brokenness for that. But, oh, no, I'm in pride. Oh, oh, my goodness. Like, What was it like to experience brokenness over some of that stuff? Was it like a feeling or was it – what was it? Um, I would say the pattern for me – the pat. oh, yeah, the pattern for me was something would happen. I will tell my counselor. He would tell me how I was wrong. I would say, nah, I don't think so. You're wrong. That would happen again and again. And then – when it would finally click in my mind on how it hurt Jesus is is the only way it stuck to me. Like, oh no, like when you get to a point where you actually have a relationship with Jesus and you and, and you consider how you're hurting him, for me, that was the only way that I got brokenness out of it. It's like like I'm I'm hurting him. I mm. I'm grieving him because I feel it now. Mm. I feel it and I know it. And that was how I felt brokenness. Mm. Wow. And yeah, that was totally new. That's very new because, I mean, living in this world, some of these things are just not, they're, they're painted as good things. Yeah. Um, and you can always make mental gymnastics in your mind and justify everything you do. But when you know it's displeasing to God and you're walking with Jesus and you know it, it's hurting him, that's that's very clear cut. Hmm. And then that started like that started the process of like, okay, help me change. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. And obviously, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't kind of like a once. No, no, no. Up and down and different topics and a lot of books and a lot of sermons and still working on it now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, was there like a specific, well, I, I know there was a specific breakthrough for you in your program where you really – I don't know, just had a very sweet revelation of the Lord's heart. Mm-hmm. Was there something that led up to that? Can you describe what was leading up to that and then describe what the Lord did for you? I just remember, you know, you read your Bible every day and you're praying every day and you're doing it out of discipline at that point, you know, um, not just on your feelings. And then COVID hit. Um, and then so it was a whirlwind. And then I had gotten sick. And then so I was out for like 48 hours. I just, well, just a crazy headache, just bed bound. And I just remember like finally this headache passing on like the third day. And I'm just like, it was like in the middle of the day, I'm like, you know, like struggling out the room. And I look at my Bible, I was like, oh, wow, I haven't opened my Bible in like three days. And then I open my Bible and I'm just reading this passage. I think it's John 8 about um, Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. And she has her accusers and they're about to throw stones at her. And Jesus says what he says and everybody leaves. And then he talks to the woman. He says, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. And he says, "Um, go and sin no more. And then from then I was just weeping from, from not only on what Jesus said, but just like, it was like meeting an old friend or an old lover, like, oh, I miss you so much. And just like, and you came and you spoke directly to me and it's just, I remember that moment because it's like, this is such a personal, intimate Jesus. Like he's right next to me. He's talking at me, you know, it's just like, and so I hold on to that just knowing like, this is what it always has to be like. Mm. What do you mean? This is the closeness that I always have to have. If Mm. it's not like this, then I, my bones are, it just doesn't, it's wrong. It's, 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 I'm panicking, you know, it's just, if he's not that close, then something's wrong. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. Right? Because like that's I've I've felt that too. 
what what the Lord did for me back in the program and how coming to know what it could be like to yeah. walk with him. Mm-hmm. Right? Then when it's not like that, mm-hmm. I yeah, it's like what what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I might not even I might not even necessarily know and it might not necessarily change for weeks or months, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. like there's just but Jesus like we we were close and I mm-hmm. I remember the sweetness and I remember the intimacy and the love and mm-hmm. like please help me. I don't know what's going on, but just do something in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and and it still goes on now because life just gets crazy and it goes up and down and you drift and you, you drift away and then you go closer, but like you just know when he's near and when he's not near and everything it, it just changes everything. Like work doesn't matter. Our house doesn't matter. Sometimes Luzette doesn't matter. Like I just like, it's, yeah, it's almost like a panic, almost like a, mm. a longing. Like, and, and which is, that's just part of being a Christian. That's just part of knowing the Lord, which I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for you, Luzette, like when you're in the program, I don't know, what was the biggest takeaway for you? It was more about recognizing how much of an idolater I was by putting him first and repenting of that. And it's not as easy as it sounds to just like, oh, okay, no longer Robins, Jesus now. It's about just like actually walking it out. So like, for instance, I, I remember just uh, looking back into like our marriage and um I remember seeing moments where I would replace Jesus with him. Wow. Like, for example, like I used to just love being in church and being in ministry and mm. just like, and then there were time in our marriage, he would be like, I don't want to go. And then gradually, instead of pushing back, I'll be like, okay, I'm not going either. And I'll just spend time with you. And so mm. gradually I would substitute my time with the Lord in the word for time with Robbins. And like, Mm. so in the program throughout that time, it was about just teasing out those moments and figuring out how do I put God back Mm. into that place where he, he needs to be and he deserved to be. So it was uh, tougher to walk it out once he got back home. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were like what are some of the ways that you fight against that what i don't know how you would call it but all yeah. of us we all tend to have idols that we're very vulnerable to we got to yeah. fight it you know yeah. we yeah, have to yeah. be on guard how do you stay on guard oh yeah it's a good question so i just tell I, them get out <laughs> i'm going to be with jesus <laughs> like i need my time like so it's i think it's more of like it's a daily thing. It's a continual thing every day, even till this day I'm doing it. It's more about like, okay, if I I haven't spent time with God today, but I haven't spent time with you either today because so much is going on, who am I going to choose? I'm oh. going to choose to spend time with God first and then you. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's a daily discipline, which I fail yeah. A lot of the times, but yeah. I have to mm-hmm. remind myself to say, okay, I have to put God first or right. like even in like decision or things I'm feeling within, right? My 
innate reaction. There's nothing wrong with it. It's to just like talk to Robbins and just like mm. share all those feelings that I'm going through. But then I wouldn't talk to God about it. Oh, wow. So it's okay. like, it's about daily just saying, okay, I talked to Robbins. He's my husband and I'm hearing you. But then I need to talk to God first. And his say about, about what's going on within me is more important essentially than what Robbins has to say. Not that it doesn't matter. Not that what you're saying doesn't matter, but just, yeah, no. you know, shifting that. And yeah. that's, that's, a, that's the daily work that I have done and continue to do and can definitely do more of. Wow. So for you, Robbins, where the whole, the underlying thing was like, I trust myself, I trust my thinking, I can do this. That's sort of the underlying, that's a big foundational issue. I'm sure the Lord keeps sure. working with you on one of them. How do you, sure. how do you keep, I don't know, repenting of that or? I mean, so a lot of it is built in natural now before never used to pray about any decision I made. Mm. Obviously that's, we pray about everything. We consider everything. We, that's the starting point. We kind of look for, look for God's hand. It's like, all right, is he working is he pushing us towards this? Um, is he pushing us toward this or is he absent from this? Is he pushing us away from this? Like mm. trying to to see where God leads. And it can be maddening sometimes. It's like, all right, I don't want to make the wrong step. I don't want to make the wrong step. But just having faith, like, all right, if you if you go to God in prayer, um, he'll open the right doors. He'll close the right doors. That's one of our favorite prayers. Lord, open the doors that need to be opened. Close the doors that need to be closed. All right, like I'm trusting in you. I'm trying to please you. I'm going to take this first step cautiously and go. Mm. Should we still keep going? All right. And just just considering him in everything. Involving him in everything. In, in everything. Mm. Mm. Um, Before it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Mm. And that's hard because, yeah, it's hard because you find yourself making so many decisions and uh, you just have to have faith that God is leading you. Mm. Yeah. So you wrote, I asked this question in the pre-interview questionnaire, what's the main difference in your life now compared to before? And just, you said, a daily relationship and a walk with the Lord. Like yeah. you have a relationship with him now. Right. It's, um, there were moments in my past, you know, sure, I've, there were a couple of stretches there. I read my Bible pretty consistently, but now it's different. Now I'm I'm walking with him. I'm, I have a life with Jesus. I have a history with Jesus, have a future with have Jesus. I have a desire. To I have a desire. Be. I want to be with Jesus when, for whatever reason, you know, it's just like a whirlwind of a day and I haven't haven't even spent some time with God. It's it's a bad day. It's a, mm. a, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's mm. empty, you know. It's like, oh, I need to get back to my spot. I got like a couple spots in the house where I specifically do my devotion. It's like, and just some stuff I learned from the program, like, there's a difference between like it's not legalistic. It's uh, it's just discipline, and everything in life and anything good that you get out of life, it, you need discipline to get it. Whether it's work or you need discipline in your marriage, you need discipline to if you want to, like Paul said, run a race. And so if you want Jesus, you need discipline. You need to chase him. You know, mm. you need to pursue him. And so, not forgetting that to you know stick to the disciplines that that we do and that I do and to to get the prize. You know, yeah. Um, what else? I forgot your question. Um, <laughs> well, you're carrying a baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he's asleep. He, he finally got out. He's, he's out. Yep. That's great. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. So 
what a and what a relief, right, Luzette, for you. I mean, that thing that was between you guys, that thing that was like, there's something off, mm-hmm. like that's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, he was a. I think in the program, I started realizing a change in him by the way he he talked, by the way he just like. I don't know. It's just something about him was different mm. from before. And I mm. can tell, like, this is God working. So, like, mm. when he got out, it was just like we went through, I mean, some tough time when we got out in terms of adjusting to setting boundaries. And, like, what does that look like, this new life? Because, you know, in pure life, it's more your, um, what's isolated. the word? We're isolated from yeah. certain triggers in the world. Yeah. And what does that life look like? after pure life and um we had to go through a lot of just revamping our lives to just kind of include god more in it mm. and also for for just me to just be like see him walk out this life that this new life that he's he's in so it was a breath of fresh air mm. um yeah what are the for both of you, what are the things that oh, I think we already probably covered this, but I was just going to say, like, what are the absolute foundational things that have helped after leaving the program? Helped uh, what in terms of like just, the boundaries? No, uh, no, no, just I don't know. Like, if you were going to say, man, this is something that I'll never let go of in my life. Oh, oh yeah. D- daily devotional, <laughs> daily praying. Yeah. That's 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 the first thing. Mm. I don't think anything comes close to that. I mean, you can you can have all the protections on your phone that you want, but that's I mean, you can't know Jesus if you don't read your Bible. You can't know Jesus if you don't pray. Mm. Um, uh, I would say maybe second to that is um, praying together. Yeah, I mm. actually really like that. Yeah. yeah, and then the third thing is being uh, uh, surrounding ourselves with community. Mm-hmm. That's probably the third thing because we need to walk it out with people. Yeah, before we were a little bit more isolated, isolated even yeah. though we had like counselors here and there, but it was it was a little bit more isolated. So there was no room to be held accountable mm-hmm. um, yeah. for people to actually see you walk out life and say, "Hey, what's going on here?" So I think that's another. Yeah, that's the thing that we implemented that I think is essential for us mm-hmm. now. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you so much again for listening to Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.